turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter five. As a general rule, we have been an exposition through the scriptures, and most recently we have been in the book of Revelation. And Lord willing, um, I'm actually going to interject one more short series before we continue, and that is actually a verse by verse in the book of Philemon. And uh, I had thought to start that today, but I believe that God would have us to go in a little bit different direction. Okay, a lot of a different direction. But I pray that you will, there has been much prayer that has gone into what I'm going to share this morning. And before we jump to conclusions or before you jump to conclusions, I want you to prayerfully consider what might be in your heart this morning. This really is a challenge. It is a challenge to me. It is a challenge to you, whether you're a visitor or whether you're a regular attender or whether you're a member. Some of you may just be passing through and we may never see you again, this side of eternity. But my goal in preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a very solemn responsibility and it is always to proclaim Christ. You see, there are a lot of churches that you can go to where you will hear nice, fluffy messages. There are plenty of churches that you can go to where you might hear a little feel-good message that might allow you to feel good until you get out to your car and then all of the cares of the world come crashing down upon you. But you see, we strive to be a biblical church and to be a biblical church means that there are sometimes things that we have to do maybe that we don't like to do or that we don't want to do. There, there are times that sometimes as a pastor, a shepherd has to share things that are necessary for the growth of the congregation. We served here at Yellowstone for almost a year before becoming a pastor. And our motto right from the beginning was where Christ is glorified. We have seen great blessings. We've also seen great challenges. For those of you who were here with us in the beginning, you'll remember a morning service might constitute maybe 20 of us, 25. Now you can look around and you can see what God has done. That's not because of Mark. It's because of God. God is the one that deserves all the credit and all the glory. But some of the great challenges that come, and if you have never been in a church maybe that has experienced what you're going to hear this morning, in some ways that could be good, in some ways it could be bad. You see, because one of the challenges that we face in this mortal life is that we are sinners. Every one of us struggle with something within our life, and we have to keep going back to God. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess that sin, though, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
But there are times that the Bible exposes sin many times and it is uncomfortable. The Old Testament exposes sin. The New Testament exposes sin. In fact, for, for thousands of years of church history now, or the last 2,000 years, uh, unfortunately, we still have the names of people who did things within their local church that brought shame and disgrace to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And until the Lord returns, these individuals will always be remembered for the bad things that they did and not necessarily for the life that they maybe had in Christ Jesus. If you can remember reading through the book of Philippians, for example, in chapter 4, we read of Odius and Syntyche who were commanded to be of the same mind in the Lord. Can you imagine getting to heaven and Odius and Syntyche come up and introduce themselves to you and you say, oh yeah, I know who you are. But you know, the truth is that they were actually sinners saved by grace. And in that we can rejoice. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you too can rejoice because you are one of his children. And regardless, as Romans chapter 8 tells us, there is nothing that can separate you and I from the love of Jesus Christ. No sin, not death, no persecution, nothing that we will go through. Because it is not us that preserves us in salvation, it is Jesus Christ who preserves us. I do not hate people. I think that it would be absolutely impossible for a pastor or a shepherd of the sheep to hate people and still claim to be a shepherd. But what I do hate is the foothold that Satan has gained. Some of you, unfortunately, way too many of you this morning know what's taking place. But some of you, this is going to be a, maybe a complete shock this morning. What I'm sharing today, though, should bring shame to those who were involved and more importantly, a humble heart before God. Today, you may be more concerned about emotions and friendships than in what God thinks and how his holiness, his word, and the testimony of YBC has been mocked for the last several months. Maybe you think because you come from this type of a church that church dis discipline should never be enacted. Or that maybe church is just a game to play. And if numbers are more important than loving God or his holiness, then we will have a wrong view of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The pulpit exists and should only exist in every single church to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, to point others for us to help you remember and realize that eternity is one breath away, one heartbeat away. When a person becomes a member here, and we have read this before, we're not going to read all of it this morning, but 
we remind everybody that joins here of the responsibilities that church membership brings because we consider it to be a vital part of the Christian life. The Bible doesn't know anything of an unchurched Christian. But with the aid of the Holy Spirit, we ask you, will you be diligent to exercise self-control so your lifestyle exhibits both true Christian love and personal holiness? Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because we all struggle. Will you faithfully assemble with the body of believers, striving to maintain unity and doing all you can to stimulate love and good deeds in others as you seek to exercise your spiritual gifts in faithful service? Will you always be willing to both give and receive admonition and instruction with meekness and in love? How are we doing so far? God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, but all things should be done decently and in order. God ordained spiritual leadership in the home at creation, and Christ established church order during his ministry. Elders are to serve under Christ and alone are responsible for spiritual matters, not deacons, not church members. Deacons are responsible for member care, and, and when people are placed where God has not appointed, then God's order has been breached. Members and officers, members and officers have no authority to make demands of each other apart from what is in Scripture. Christ commands us throughout the New Testament through his life as well as what he instructed the disciples when he tells them to go and to teach all disciples, commanding them to baptize and to make those disciples, to teach them everything that God commanded them to follow. One of the things that we are commanded to do is to love one another, right? The book of John says very clearly that if we do not love one another, we are not his disciples. If we do not love his word, 1 John chapter 3, if we do not love the brethren, the Bible is also very clear that we are not his disciples. We are not his children. He also says that we're to live together in, in unity. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, where God gives offices within the church for the purpose of being able to bind the church together in preparation for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, too often we as Christians, we tend to focus on the nasty here and here instead of looking for forever, instead of looking to the future, instead of looking to eternity when we will no longer have eyes that are dimmed with tears or dimmed with sin. God has also ordained order even in the offenses within a local church. And this order extends to all areas, including when dealing with elders and deacons. Malicious gossip is bearing bad or false news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. 
And this with slander, which is the spreading of false information, the Bible actually considers to be one of the worst sins. Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon writing says that this is two of the abominations that God hates. Matthew chapter 18 is clear on offenses and how we are to deal with everything from self-discipline, introspection, looking to see what we need to do to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ, all the way up to church discipline. You see, a church that does not practice church discipline is not a biblical church. And the reason for all of these types of discipline, whether it's self-discipline or one-on-one or, -on -one or with a couple of witnesses or with the elders or with the church itself, is to establish purity within the church. Why? Because we are a picture of what is to come in eternity. Rarely practiced, though. Yet restoration is always the key. There are some denominations that use the term excommunication. A Baptist church should never use the term excommunication. Because excommunication is a separation. It is to throw out somebody without the purposes of restoration. The Bible says that we are always to seek to restore one another in Christian love. And to violate this one key in discipline is sin against the person, it is sin against God, and it is sin against Christ's bride, the church. Harboring bitterness or anger against others after forgiveness has been sought is also sin against God, whether you're doing it individually within your life or, or whether you're involved within the church in a matter or at work or with your kids or your spouse, whatever it may be. You know, one of the struggles that I have had down through the years of my ministry, 30 years of ministry now, for which I am thankful to the Lord. My dad's been in ministry for 45 years, a little over 45 years. And, you know, almost without one exception, every time that counseling takes place, it takes place because people are harboring bitterness or anger instead of being willing to forgive. It doesn't matter whether it's a broken marriage, whether it's a tense relationship with kids. And when we involve others, instead of dealing with the matter directly, we sin against God, we sin against the potential offender, and we sin against the person that we got involved. Do you remember the account of Achan in the book of Joshua? who stole the accursed items in the city of Jericho when God said that everything that belongs or everything in that city belongs to me. And of course, what happened was when they got back to the camp, the children of Israel said, well, let's go take the next two cities. They're, they're, they're euphoric with, with th this victory that they've had in the first city and, and they've destroyed Jericho. And so they go up and they say, oh, just send up just a few of us, a small handful, and we'll take those two cities, Ai and Bethel. And you know what happened? They got destroyed. And Joshua comes and he falls on his face before God and he says, God, I thought you said that, that we were going to be given the entire land and yet here we are. We haven't even gotten to the second city yet. And God tells Joshua, get up off your face and face me like a man. 
He said there is sin in the camp. The killing of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts chapter 4. Do you remember what they were killed for? Do you remember why God took the life of this couple? Was it because they didn't give what they said they were going to give? Was it because they didn't give X amount of money to the church? No. It was for lying. Can you imagine what church discipline would look like if the Holy Spirit did that today in our churches? Every time somebody lies, he kills us. Again, another thing for which we can be so grateful for, to God that he is gracious and merciful to us and long-suffering. Like these two accounts, though, that we find in Scripture, there has and continues to be a grave sin that has to be addressed. I've been loath to say anything, praying that biblical restoration would take place, and instead the problem compounds as I weekly receive calls, texts, visits, or emails revealing that the problem is spreading in our church. Seven Sundays ago, I shared a message in which, a 48-minute message in which I spoke for less than 30 seconds in regards to the matter of gossip that was taking place. It was a warning to those who were involved. They've chosen not to listen. Sadly, what I'm addressing this morning is and has been out in the open. There is, and as there are in every churches, and, and, and I'm sorry if you came this morning thinking maybe that we have a perfect church because we don't. If you came this morning thinking that I'm a perfect pastor, I hate to disappoint you. My mom and dad are even sitting up here in the front. They can tell you I'm not perfect. You're not a perfect church member. But together, we are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. More and more people each week, I am being disappointed to hear, have been included in gossip. Not that you have been involved in the gossip, but that it is being spread. And the problem continues to compound. And I believe the future of Yellowstone Baptist Church is in jeopardy if these things continue in a manner that is contrary to God's word and his defined order. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go over all of the details but I want you to know what has brought us to this point. In early June, after a lot of time had already been spent by a group of people spreading gossip, dissension, and strife, I was called to a meeting in my office to listen to lies, malicious gossip, and slander that started last year. The meeting lasted eight hours over two days. And a notebook of accusations was brought. Not one individual who the accusations came from have ever approached me in violation of Matthew 18 or Galatians chapter 6. 
And yet in this meeting, I was expected to admit to the accusations that were presented. At no time, dear folks, in my 30 years of ministry, have I ever been told that I violated scripture. And yet I have heard that more times in the last, since beginning of June, than I ever have in my entire ministry. I have been retold repeatedly, though, that while I haven't, while I have not actually violated scripture, I have been told repeatedly about supposed offenses over the way that I or my family have done things. My choice in music, pulpit ministry, pastoral decisions, and integrity have been brought into questions. Accusations that have been made not just against myself, but my wife, my girls, my sons, and my parents. That is a shame. A second meeting would take place with me having to face my accusers and the same results from me expected. And if I didn't admit what I was accused of, I was told that a third meeting would be immediately called with the congregation in which I would be brought up for church discipline. Folks, I have never been brought up for discipline in my entire life as a believer. The second meeting over the course of five hours took place right here in the front of this congregation in this auditorium with multiple couples, two of whom were not even members. One couple previously resigned, refusing to face me directly with their accusations. People that are still spreading these lies and these rumors even to this last week. At the end, one witness stood in the defense of truth and of his pastor. With righteous anger, he rightly called the meeting what it was, and it was an unbiblical verbal firing squad aimed at my family and I. Although I believe he would serve well as a church officer, he does not believe he can at present. His stand for the Lord wasn't well received, although it should have been. And some in that meeting have even said that they would stand adamantly opposed to him serving as a church officer because he did what was right. And it is a tragedy that we have come to the point, even in churches across America, where truth has become subjective based on how disgruntled, sinful people feel or their emotions. The New Testament writers made it clear that shepherds are to protect the flock from potential wolves both inside and outside the congregation. And yet the gossip, strife, and accusations have continued week after week. And this is the work of those who do not have the things of Christ and his bride at heart. I'm sorry if that hurts, but it's biblical. For the record, as long as God gives me strength, I will continue to preach the word of God. We're called to do as the shepherd 
I will make biblical decisions. And now with new elders coming on board, Lord willing, we will endeavor to serve Christ faithfully as our guide, with him as our guide, and we will serve faith, we will seek to serve you faithfully as well. Some have questioned the delay in selecting the officers, which has become a means for some to be able to find more fault. I've been told repeatedly by some in the group who have left that, that their choice of some to be elders and deacons must be put in place even if they are not biblically qualified or they would leave. This, is, this has been a threat that's been in place for months. Our Constitution is clear that what we will do is biblical. We will not choose men who are neither ready nor biblically qualified at this time to serve as officers. As previously stated, I have sought biblical counsel and wisdom in regards to any decisions that are being made, and I will continue to do so, but we will not be bullied into hasty decisions. Our Constitution, adopted unanimously in January 2023, reads in part, quote, The local government is invested in believers under the headship of Jesus Christ, Spiritual leadership is authorized by scripture in elders and pastors who lead the church spiritually and to whom the congregation are to submit under the headship of Christ. These men have the authority and responsibility to delegate and to delegate that authority and responsibility to carry out church business or ministry in spiritual and physical or material matters guided by scripture, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and by input from the congregation. It's easy to accuse. It's a whole lot harder to be willing to be hands and feet in ministry. There is only one head here at Yellowstone Baptist Church, and that's Jesus Christ. I, as a mere man, I'm dispensable. I may not be here next week. God could take me to be with him. Yellowstone then would be in the sad situation of having to find somebody to be able to shepherd in a flock. And this is why we have men that are being selected and over time others will be qualified to be both elders and deacons. Now, I absolutely do not want anybody to leave. But as true believers... You and I are called to fulfill our commitment to God, to one another, and to those who are outside the church. God will continue to grow his church because it belongs to him, every bit of it. Do I want those who have left to return? Sure. But they have to come God's way not man's way. Those who have left, left because they didn't get their way. They are seeking to involve others who are not part of the problem nor part of the solution. I, I've actually been shocked this last week because I didn't know anything about it, but apparently this group now meets on Sunday mornings in another location without biblical authority 
without being willing to confess their sin or to be restored for offenses committed before God in this congregation. Leaving in an open, unbiblical fashion, you cannot be considered as being an active fellowship here. Where offenses have taken place and biblical forgiveness sought, we have no right to continue bringing it up. As Christ forgave us, so too we are to forgive others. We are to choose not to remember those sins which have been done against us. And here's something that you and I would do well to remember, that no offense that is done against you or I is worse than what our sin personally did to the Lord Jesus Christ, requiring him to be crucified in our place. Today, you and I have a decision to make to follow God and his word or to follow the dictates of man. To follow God and his word or to follow emotions, to follow a sinful world, to follow friendships maybe that we might value more than we would value God's holiness. And yet you and I as believers are accountable for every idle word, thought, or action before God. <laughs> Where offenses have been caused, my plea and exhortation to you and to those who have left continues and will continue to be to go and seek forgiveness and then leave it at the cross. Don't compound the sin by continuing to gossip when you don't get your way. Don't live contrary to God's word and expect God's blessings. I never wanted this to go further. I've had several who have asked me, why am I being silent though? Maybe I should have said something a long time ago. For that, I have to ask your forgiveness. We can't be all things to all people, but we can point them to Christ. Ignoring sin in the end makes us complicit in that sin, and it allows cancer to continue to spread in our midst. I want to see hearts change. I want to see my heart change. I want to see revival. I mean, true revival. We will grow through the pain, but we must not be like congregations who bow to worldly pressures or who have no desire to be faithful. Titus chapter three, verses 10 and 11, as for a person who stirs up division after warning them once and then twice, have nothing more to do with them. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, they are self-condemned. Brothers and sisters, I, I can't tell you who to be friends with, and that's not the intent of the message. But I can give the warnings of God's word. We can't sit down to have fun, food, and fellowship with those living contrary to God's commands and with those who seek to destroy what God builds without it affecting you. In Numbers chapter 11, we, we find the 
never-ending story of the children of Israel who murmured and complained against God and against the leaders. And well, if you've read Numbers 11, you'll know that fire ultimately fell from God and brought judgment. I do not seek judgment ultimately while we can practice church discipline at the end there is only one ultimate judge of the universe and that is Jesus Christ but we can warn but it is not just the pastor who must call fellow brothers and sisters to repentance you as fellow members of the body of Christ Paul warned the church in Rome that silence is not an option and that judgment will come on those who know to do right but do not do it. Here's my challenge for you as we wrap this up this morning. If you want to be a biblical friend with somebody, be willing to call them to repentance and biblical restoration and see how long they're willing to be a friend. If they listen, Matthew chapter 18 says that you've gained a brother. That's glorious news. It, could you imagine, for those of you who, who are aware of the situation, and now the rest of you who are here this morning, you know, can you imagine what God would do if he brought revival and all of us were standing around weeping and hugging each other and just giving praise to the Lamb of God. That would be absolutely amazing. If they get angry, they refuse to listen, at least you and I are, will be right in right standing before God if we seek to try to restore Romans chapter 1, we spoke about this in the morning in the Sunday school. The Bible says that those who were unrighteous are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you and I would be in and are included in this list until we're sinners saved by grace. When we see those who have offended Christ and his bride, we must lovingly call them to biblical repentance and restoration. Whether they choose to return to YBC as members is between them and God. but confessing and repenting is not an option for a believer. And if a person is unwilling to humble themselves and repent, Matthew 18 is clear that they are to be considered as if they are an unbeliever. That's pretty serious words from Christ himself. I don't want anybody going out of here this morning thinking too highly of yourselves, thinking, well, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have said that. Galatians chapter 6 says that we are to seek to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves lest we are also tempted. 
if you and I really want to see revival, we're going to have to stop playing games with God. Not just at church, but with our own lives. We need revival. We need humble hearts. We need confession of sin. We need a great longing for God's holiness to be displayed in our midst. And we must remember how much God has forgiven us and ask him to help us extend love and forgiveness even if they never ask for it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I invite you to join me. Not because I'm perfect, but because I have a perfect Savior. I invite you to join me, not because we're a perfect church, but because through our imperfections, the perfect one is glorified. We have people from all walks of life that come here. We have believers. We've had unbelievers. We have people come from probably 10, 12, 15 different denominations. And my words this morning are trying to get you to become a Baptist or a Yellowstone Baptist. My goal is to point you to Jesus Christ. This matter has been dealt with, I believe, biblically in following Matthew chapter 18. And Lord willing, this will be the only time that this matter will ever have to come back up again. And I hope that that's your prayer as well. We spoke in regards to elders. And I would like to have a couple of our men come, Brother Corey um, and Brother Tim, if you don't mind. And if you'll hold off just a second, passing that out. Let me take one of these. Elders are put into position for the purposes of help and bring spiritual oversight in a congregation. We have been upfront with you and telling you what is going to be or what you should expect in regards to both the elder and the deacon process. So I wanted to refine that a little bit more this morning. We received all of our nominations last week. Each of the men who are on this list, and there are two for the selection of elder, were considered on biblical qualifications, the needs of the church, and their willingness to serve. Not all of the nominations qualified, but the goal is to see each man discipled in such a way that they may in the future. And as previously noted, a nomination did not mean that an individual would be presented for a vote. Number two, why are these men to prayerfully be considered to serve in ministry as elders with me? These two men ha have received, and while it was not a popularity contest, these two men received more nominations than any other men in the congregation. And knowing them and their lives, I believe that I can present to you as the pastor currently and I believe that not only have they been on display, but they and their families are faithful, not just on Sunday morning, but 
Sunday night, midweek service. They know the scriptures. They both have theological training. And they are like-minded when it comes to biblical goals for YBC. If anyone believes that you have a scriptural reason as to why these either of these men are not qualified to serve, it must be presented to me in writing for prayerful consideration. This was already previously stated. On September the 13th, two weeks from today, an affirmation vote will take place. And here's what the ballot will say. It is a solemn matter for a man to be chosen to serve as an elder. That man must meet all the biblical qualifications and must also desire the office of a bishop. The following men have been examined and exhibited the ability to rightly handle the word of God. It is a solemn matter for the congregation to stand in unity in the selection of its leaders and a willingness to follow them as they follow Christ, Hebrews 13, 17. And having received no biblical reason as to why these men may not serve as elders of Yellowstone Baptist Church, this vote of affirmation is presented for both men to serve as elders alongside our pastor. This is the ballot that will be passed out to all active members or all who are in active fellowship. If there are no biblical reasons that are given prior to the vote, prior to September the 13th, no further discussion will be entertained from the floor. An affirmation of two-thirds of the congregation will move these men to a formal commissioning to the office of elder. And the new eldership team, number six, will then give prayer and consideration to the men who will be considered to be our next deacons. Number seven, a formal commissioning service will be held in a special Sunday morning service. And this is a solemn but joyful time of setting apart or commending the men for the work to which they have been called as a servant of Jesus Christ and as a servant to Yellowstone Baptist Church. I'm going to have the men go ahead and pass out the elder selection forms. The two men that have been presented, and I will tell you that neither one of these men, I did not cast a vote or a ballot myself, but one was my dad, John Paul Escalera, who was nominated 15 or 16 times by you as the congregation. I don't believe there's any conflict of interest in my dad serving. We're not talking about financial, dealing with financial matters. We're talking about dealing with spiritual oversight of Yellowstone. And the second one is Brother Jeff Samora. If you do not know any of these men or know them very little, I welcome you. Spend time with them. Come to service with them. And I think that you will see not just what I see, but what you as a congregation have already nominated in seeing what these men could do as elders at Yellowstone. I am very appreciative of those who 
stand with us in the work. Personally, I would, in fact, I was actually counseled and gotten on to because I wouldn't, I wasn't willing to consider my own dad because I thought somebody would say something. It's been a privilege to work with my dad and my parents have done nothing but help Yellowstone since they've been here. And same thing with Brother Jeff and Sister Melissa. To those who have supported us, to those who continue to support us in prayer and encouragement, Brother Jerry, Brother Jerry, you're a wonderful man. I'm thankful for your support. I think that if it wasn't for Brother Jerry, this meeting would look a lot different today. But Brother Jerry was the man who stood with his pastor. If you have any questions, everybody's got my text. You've all got my phone number. You've all got my email. You all know where I live. I ain't moved. And my office is always open. I want to grow with you as a congregation. And I want others to come and be involved. And when we one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's still going to ask me the same question that you're asked this morning. And that is, are you faithful? Have I been faithful? Because if we are faithful with where he has placed us, it doesn't matter what year you start. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved for a week, a day, the last hour, 50 years, as long as you are faithful before the Lord Jesus Christ with the time that he gives you, then you and I will hear, well done, you have been a good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. As a pastor and as a shepherd, I would be greatly disappointed if I stood before God and I found that some of my flock was not there. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, doesn't matter what your background, doesn't matter what you've claimed, doesn't matter what prayers you've said, what churches you've joined, as we learned in our Sunday school lesson this morning, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you saved this morning? Do you love God? Do you love his people? Do you love his word? Do you love his commands? If so, then it's time for us to take a stand together, not apart, together. Amen. I invite you to stand with me one more time for the benediction.
Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.